Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Dubai this time. I just did a podcast a couple days ago about the One World Government Summit that is meeting here in the city in Dubai. I hope to talk about it a little bit more, but this time I have Tim with us from our office in Poland. Tim, it's good to have you back with us, brother. Hey, Eugene. Good to be here. I, uh, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because you were telling me about some interesting developments. I've been in contact with you almost every day as it, as it pertains to the situation in Ukraine. I think that you have heard from me more than you would like to in the last couple of months because of the, <laughs> because of the, the situation in the Ukraine. Um, but it has been, it's been such a pleasure during these hard times that the people in the Ukraine are going through to be able to partner together with you and the House Church Network that you work together with in Poland. Yeah, it's uh, plenty of things are happening, and uh, it's. I'm, I'm very happy that BTJ can can join and, uh, and and help those that are in true need. Uh, for people that haven't really, maybe this is their first podcast they've ever downloaded for Back to Jerusalem, or maybe they've never heard that Back to Jerusalem has an office in Poland. Could you just give a little bit of inter- introduction to who you are? Yeah, sure. Well. Um I'm a born-again believer from south of Poland, and uh, well, uh, what can I say? I mean, I'm a part of a house church network. I run a publishing house. I run a bookshop online. But all of this is uh, all of this is very strongly interconnected to to what I do on our online ministry and with the Back to Jerusalem, which I've met around I don't know two years ago. Two years ago, I've started reading about Back to Jerusalem. Three or four years ago, I I've read the Heavenly Man book for the first time, and that was one of the two or three books that actually broke my heart towards the persecuted church. And after reading that book, I started searching and digging for what is the Back to Jerusalem vision, and I found you guys. And since I don't know, that was January two thousand twenty. I started, you know, being a bit more close with uh, whatever you, we do, and at one point we've just met and we started working together. And I'm pretty happy and excited about all the things we do. I, I mean, <laughs> when you put it when you put it like that, I'm actually blown away. Has it only been two years? I think so. Yeah. yeah it's- my first time to come and visit you was during the pandemic. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I flew in and uh, you guys had not started to wear masks yet. And so I was applauding you. Like I had no, to wear a mask no. on the plane. Um, but when I arrived in Poland, there were, you know, no masks. And I was so happy at that time. Um, that was 2020. You're right. It hasn't been. We've moved really fast. One. And two, it feels like I've known you for years. True. 
Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, we've just we've just really connected. And I think it was all in God's timing because the church in Poland really rose up and started to send support for the Back to Jerusalem missionaries and partnering together with the vision. As you said, you ran a publishing house, so we've been looking at, you know, doing printing projects together, Bible printing uh -huh. projects. Uh, specifically, we were focusing on Iranian Bibles. We were pretty excited about that. And then there became this switch of roles uh, where uh, Poland went from being a raising support for the underground church of China to a Chinese ministry like Back to Jerusalem raising support for the church in Poland as you guys deal with the Ukrainian crisis. True, true. I, I was thinking about that lately. That's quite uh, amazing, actually. Yeah. And I, I gave a sermon not too long ago. I'm not going to talk about it too much here on the on this podcast, but I gave a sermon not too long ago uh, in the UK when I was speaking on tour there uh, about how I believe Poland will be blessed through this um, and how in many ways Poland is playing the role of the widow woman of the widow that was that had nothing the widow that that just had her her little bit of of oil and her little bit of flour and she her and her son wanted to eat that and die but a prophet of god said give that to me give that to me and and oftentimes we look at the the widow woman as being the poor one but she actually wasn't that poor when compared to when when you compare her to uh elijah um, Elijah uh -huh. had nothing. So in that uh -huh. way, he was actually more poor than she was. And I think that there's a lot of people in the West, and I think that there's been a growing amount of wealth for the people in Poland in the last uh, few years after kind of shaking off the shackles of, of Russia. Um, there has been this growing wealth that we've seen in Poland. I saw it when I've, you know, I've seen it over the years traveling to Poland, seeing the development of Poland. And, uh, and so I, I, as I speak about your country, dear brother, I'm speaking as an outsider, so not as an insider. So not everything I say you might agree with. I'm just saying as an observer, this is what I have seen. And so I've seen Poland getting more and more wealthy, growing to be a, a, a financial power. And I think that God has called Poland to say, hey, you can enjoy what you have. You can enjoy your new health insurance. You can enjoy your new home. You can enjoy your car. You can enjoy those things and die. Like the widow woman said, I just want to my, feed this to my son and then die. I mean, that's kind of our, the hope of so many of us in the West. Enjoy what we have. I mean, we only get, you know, uh, two weeks a year off for vacation. We only we only have our 401k retirement plans. We, we, we have to work our entire life so that we can get one trip to the Caribbean or, or one trip to south of France in our lifetime. And can't you just leave us alone and allow us to enjoy this and die? You know, I've worked hard for it. The, the widow woman had an excuse. She had a son. Can't you just allow me and my son to enjoy our last meal and die? But if we give what we have to the prophets of today, I believe that there will always be more oil, more flour than we had ever planned on before. We will never run out. We can't outgive God. And so I believe that Poland will be blessed because you guys are taking more refugees from Ukraine than any other nation on earth. You are taking them. I mean, I don't remember a nation receiving as many refugees as Poland is with as little help. Um, whenever, whenever a country like, let's say, for instance, Turkey takes on a large number of refugees flowing in from like Syria or Iraq, 
the United Nations and the world comes together and they, they give so much money to these efforts. And I know some people have been given efforts to Poland, but for the most part, Poland is using more resources than most countries have been expected to in the past and receiving a lot more refugees than they have in the past. True, true. That's, that's exactly what's happening. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about what uh, my nation is doing. Like, no, somebody asks, Somebody asked us, where are the Polish uh, refugee camps? And we, we don't have any because we, we, we take the refugees uh, to our homes. So Oh, wait and, a minute. And wait a minute. Are, I did not know that. Yeah, I've never even thought of that. You're right. In Poland, you guys don't have refugee camps. They're reception okay. centers. Yeah. They are reception centers. Oh, my goodness, dude. That is huge. That's a huge, huge difference. Say that again. Yeah, so uh, that we, we, we don't have, uh, so somebody asked, asked, like, where are the Polish refugee camps? And, 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 and the answer is we don't have any because we just take the refugees and, uh, to our homes and flats and hotels and, and we just change, you know, remodel schools and, and uh, empty buildings and, and, give, and, and give shelter. And that's what was, that's what was happening last, uh, last week. You know, one, one of the things that's interesting when I'm looking at this, and this is, I, I want to get to the heart of the subject of what we're talking about, but when we're looking at the Ukraine, one of the things that, it, that is interesting is that it is easy to respond to a disaster when it happens. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say that there's, an, there's a, I don't want to use the word enthusiasm, but there is a level of, of desire that is higher and is heightened. It's higher than normal, right? So when, uh -huh, you, see, when you see a flood uh, in your home state or your home area, the, the desire to respond right away and do something good is, is there. Everybody gets excited, uh, they get ambitious, and then they go and do something and you feel great about it. Uh, whenever there's a tsunami or an earthquake where there's a lot of death, a lot of tragedy, there is often a big response from around the world. And that response usually lasts for about a week or two. After about a month, the world wants to move on. Uh, everybody wants to move on. Uh, what you guys are involved in in Poland is sustained efforts. And that that is where you have to reach down and grab something other than that momentary fleeting excitement. Yeah, it, it goes beyond emotions. It is when you are tired, when you are drained, when you are exhausted, when you start to feel the panic for the lack of resources, when you start to feel the panic of what you guys are looking at right now, possibly. Um, you wrote to me and said, hey, we just received these booklets. Um, can, you, can you share about what booklets you guys are receiving now in Poland? Yeah, uh, just this Monday, that, that's what, like four days ago? Um, the how do I call it in English? The, the government center of safety, as our like uh, entity that's that's uh, responsible for informing uh, the population about any crisis. Like you, they're the, they're the guys to inform everybody in certain region if there's a uh, you know a tornado, a storm, or some heavy risk um, regarding anything. So they're the guys responsible for alarming the population. And, and just this Monday, they, they published a PDF on their website uh, named Be Ready, uh, Crisis and War Manual. Wow. So that's a 36, 36 pages of a, of a pretty, I mean, this is quite good. I mean, it's very, it's not like a, uh, it's not warmongering. It's not like, you know, 
making people panic. It's very good. We, we me and my wife, we, we went through it uh, a couple of times already, just just to, just to check what is the, the general advice. But I need to say it's. Uh, I mean, I I'm, of course I'm super sure that there's plenty of people just getting a bit panicky because wait, why government is giving us this kind of thing? Is there, is there something coming? Is there's going to be war? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answers for for like like why they did it right now. Uh, I'm sure there were a lot of questions towards the the government, uh, like what, what should we do? But I can I can say that they covered a lot. They they covered a lot, starting from you know basic crisis. What happens when you don't when you don't have water or electricity or you have an accident? Finishing on what should you do when a nuclear explosion happens near to you or a biohazard attack or a chemical attack, or if you will just. Uh, see face to face enemy soldiers how you should behave how you should behave when you are a hostage like you know it's quite intensive 36 pages of very short uh easy to memorize information about how to behave or how to prepare for a crisis wow so you guys get and, and i always think like a 36 yeah. so you got this 36 page manual called be ready and and it is instructions on what to do during different things that might happen like an invasion from Russia. Uh -huh. And exactly. uh, and one of the things on there, this is interesting, I gotta, I gotta touch on it. I, I'm a, this is a little tongue in cheek for me, but I have to do it anyway. It says what to do during a nuclear explosion. Um, can, I know that it's written in Polish, but can you just give me like a brief synopsis, what it, what it says for nuclear explosion? Yeah, just uh, the reason I'm asking, sure. the reason uh, I'm asking is I want to see if it sounds anything like the one that was issued by the Biden administration in the United States, where they said that you you should still wear your mask and you should keep a you should keep a six foot distance <laughs> between the next person in case they may have COVID. So even during nuclear explosion explosion, you still need to abide by the COVID restrictions. <laughs> I mean, there's I, nothing I, like that here. I, I want to see if the Polish government issued anything similar. So, so let me just give you a quick, uh, it's just a quick text. I mean, the nuclear radiation can damage your genes and, and make uh, and make you very sick. I mean, sorry for the English, I'm just, you know. Yeah, oh, no, you didn't know I was going to do this. So um, for those that are listening, I've, I'm, I actually have eyes on Tim. I, Tim and I are like almost sitting at a coffee table using Skype right now. So I can see him reading, uh, but he's, he's reading directly from the page uh, and then translating yeah. it in his head directly into English. So yeah, please, brothers. So what they say, it's it's very dangerous to breathe the air which is radiated or to swallow radiated food. To, to uh, secure yourself, you should hide in a basement or a room with thick walls. Every extra centimeter of, uh, of uh, security makes that makes the radiation weaker. So what do you have to do when you know that there's a radiological or nuclear um, danger. Get to the nearest building to to avoid the, the radiation. So find a shelter if you know that the basement is the best place or a underground parking lot or sub subway. Just move away from out from outside walls. If you are coming back from a radiated area, take a shower, put on some clean clothes, dirty clothes, put in a bag and move it away from wherever you are staying. Don't eat or drink anything that might have been 
um, exposed to radiation. Stay in the building, close your windows, doors, turn off the vents, turn off, turn off the AC. Use your phone only in, 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 uh, as a last resort. Uh, contain your emotions, don't panic. You will then then you will limit the use of air in a in a closed uh, room. Stra listen to the messages delivered by the media or emergency responders, and abide to them. Stay inside for at least twenty four hours, unless uh, the emergency responders will pay will say something different. That's it. That's all about, uh, there's no masks, yeah, that no sounds, safety distances. What I like about that is because a lot of people are like, that's it? I mean, there's so much more. Listen, guys, this is an emergency situation. What the Polish government doesn't want to do, at least in my mind, is overload you with information because then you know nothing. So it's better to give you the most essential information that is easy for you to recall and memorize. And so I think 36 pages sounds like the max limit. Very well done, I mean, uh -huh. in my opinion. Uh, that is that that is exactly what you want to issue out to the public, not to make them scared, but to but to make them prepared, as the manual says, be prepared. So there has been this uh, document that is printed out and made available to all of the people in Poland. Uh, what is the feeling there? What is the news there right now in Poland? Uh, is there is there information coming in that that um russia could push into poland could strike poland is there is there any real feeling that uh you guys are getting in that on that side of the world no not, not really not yet yeah it's not happening i mean i don't see i i don't spend too much time in the media as uh i would say the narrative is pretty straightforward it's, it's just um I mean, there has to be. Of course, it's it's wartime, so the narrative has to be focused on one on one point. It's not showing up the the, the like a outsider point of view information. It has to be the, the information I'm showing, like what's happening on our side, and basically how are we winning? And I'm saying we because uh, you know all Europe is providing from food to ammunition and. And, and even heavier equipment. So, so, I mean, we are part of it anywhere, anyway. Uh, but the narrative right now is just that it's trying to show how good the Ukrainians are, are doing in the uh, in their country. And, and I have and been amazed. I, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel in Poland or what the mood is in Poland. I don't know what the uh, what the mood is in Poland about President Z. Um, but I, I have to say, as an outside observer, and I listen, I you know that I brought on people that have different views onto our podcast. Uh -huh. um, you know that I have several Christians that are saying that you know Russia is not completely the bad guy here. Um, I would concede and say nobody's ever really the all good guy, and nobody is really all the bad guy. Um, it, we would like to say that evil is all evil and good is all good, but when it comes to human beings, that's simply not the case. I get that, uh -huh. but I can tell you that as an outside observer, I am impressed with the Ukrainians, uh, the way they are fighting for their country against uh, someone who should have squashed them in 24, 48 hours. Um, I am, uh -huh. I, I, I'm blown away now that it looks like Kiev is, for the most part, off the table at least for another month or so. Like it doesn't look like Kiev is going to be taken 
not not in the immediate future anyway. Um, and true, it, true. It, and it it doesn't look like the Ukrainian government is going to. There's momentum at least on their side. They have the morale. They have the high ground, which is the capital city. They have. There's just so much uh, that I've witnessed in the last month of Ukraine fighting for their own country that blows me away. What 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 is your feeling? What are you guys getting in Poland? You're closer. You're closer to the Ukraine. You guys are getting information directly from those crossing the border coming in, um, the refugees that you're serving. What information are you guys able to deduce from what you're hearing on the ground? Well, uh, when it goes to me, um, I try to focus on asking the right questions. I mean, like the right questions. I don't know where, maybe there are no right questions, but what can we do? Uh, that's, that's mostly my, my focus. Because um, I, I can see that the fog of war is very dense uh, with whatever is happening. So, of course, there are there are some some reports, especially that you know, the Russian forces are uh, leaving Kiev, which is which is great. Uh, but what what is happening further? Uh, what kind of atrocities are happening? Horrible. I mean, this is just yeah. insane. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I I I'm not focusing on that because I can't do anything about that, about yeah. except for prayer. Yeah. I'm just, you know, asking asking people with that uh, are in contact. Well, we have some brothers and sisters from Poland which are on the ground in in Ukraine right now, and and they are sending some reports, uh, mostly about what they need, like specific needs, what kind of resources we need to supply, uh, not just to buy random stuff and send it to a random place in Ukraine where nobody needs that. We're just trying to be lit to listen to what's happening on the ground and. Uh, and provide what is actually needed in this time frame. So, so that's my focus. Sorry, I don't have too much, too much like you know, global news information. Um, it's just not my No, I think that you that is absolutely perfect. And the reason why I like talking to you, Tim, is that you are on. I mean, you may not feel like you're, you know, in in the heart of where you are, but you really are. You get a feel, even if you're even if you're not able to fully decipher it, or even feel like, okay, well, I know that I need to pray. Um, the fact that you you just shared with us that that you got that manual says a lot. I, I don't. Uh, here, here's what I see when you talk about the manual, because you you wrote to me and you said, you know, hey, with your military background, what is your feeling about the manual? My feeling uh, has to do with the fact that Poland is putting this together for safety and concern of their citizens. They they cannot turn a blind eye to the fact that they've got a massive war with a world power on their border, and the entire world is watching what's taking place in the Ukraine, which is on the border of Poland. Uh, also, it just came out today, just today, um, the the former, uh, there there is a, uh, a, uh, a, a quote that is coming out now from uh, the former Russian president who has said that the, the goal of the, of Russia is to bring peace to the Ukraine. That's the goal. That that was according to the former um, uh, president uh, of Russia. That he has come out and he said this. He said the this is a direct quote. I'm going to go ahead and 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 read directly from him uh, what he said uh, because this is this is something that I think is really important for us to know. This is uh, from um, the Russian Security Council, Dmitry Medvedev. <laughs> Forgive me uh -huh. if I. You probably can say that. Yeah, I can't. I can't say that as well. I'll just call him uh, Dimitri. So Dimitri said this. He said the goal 
is for the sake of peace for future generations of the Ukrainians themselves and the opportunity to finally build an open Eurasia from Lisbon to Vladivostok. Uh, so that, it, it, so if the goal is to bring peace, and, and right now we are watching the peace process of Russia in the Ukraine. And so if the goal is to bring peace from Lisbon to Vladivostok, for those of you that are not familiar with geography, that's basically from China to England. Uh, uh -huh. Lisbon is the is the the outer edge of the European continent before you get to the UK. Uh -huh. UK is an island. So uh, basically, in Vladivostok is east of Korea. So uh, Vladivostok is on the that's as far it's a, that's as far east as you can go. That's further east than almost all of Asia before you get back to America in Alaska. Uh, so from from China all the way to uh, Europe is basically what they're saying that they would like to bring peace. Does that mean that Russia wants to take over and rule the world from from um, uh, Asia to Europe? I don't think that's exactly what he was saying, but he did say it, and it's one of the reasons why I think Poland was very wise to issue this because they could be on the map. Uh, the thing is, is that Russia has been very intimidating to nations that they haven't been even during this time. Uh, me being a Swedish citizen, being in Sweden, reading the news in Sweden on a regular basis. It was just confirmed that the the encroachment of Russian flight uh, jets into Sweden, uh, which was earlier in March, were actually carrying nuclear weapons. They were carrying nuclear bombs. That's that is a big deal for Sweden, who hasn't been to war for over two hundred years. So that was that's something that's been all over the news from from wall to wall. And um, as we walk, watch what's taking place, what is unfolding, one of the things that I want to share with people is that regardless of who you believe, I don't believe American news. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I don't believe American news. I don't believe European news. I don't believe Russian news. I think that they all have an agenda. We know this agenda very, very well because I'm constantly seeing information that we are sharing from the field being stopped by the the titans in it not it but social media in in silicon valley and so silicon valley who has a lot of influence who are a part of this clique with the people in europe with the people in the us uh trying to control the narrative control the news i believe that there's always an element of truth and then it's wound into a big part of an agenda so if you're able to see through the agenda, you can get the elements of truth. And when we look at whether it's Russian news, American news, European news, three things that I can tell you right away from a military perspective about the Ukraine that I, I believe are pretty foundational is this. The, Russia was expected to take the Ukraine in a matter of hours. That was expected. Um, the reason I say that is because you would not have had that much money, effort, troops, troop deployment, and troop loss if that was not all in from the beginning. It was going to be a shock and all, quick operation. There was going to be surrender, and it was going to be it. 48 hours, the Russian flag would have been heisted over Kiev, and, and then the peace process would have been brought about. That did not happen. And there's three things that we can see, whether you can say, well, the Russians are just holding out, they're trying to starve out Kiev, they're trying to cause less pain, less death, less 
war, less conflict by basically creating a wall around Kiev and then starving them out and moving in when they are much weaker. I know that to be false from a military background because there's three things that you need in every war and battle. The first thing that you need, the very first thing in any battle, momentum. If you have momentum on your side, this, this goes back to Sun Tzu, Art of War. If you have momentum on your side, you take advantage of it. You push with it. You rule with it. You never sacrifice momentum because if you have the momentum and you stop or you pause or you take a break, you can lose the momentum and that's when the battles shift. If you've got momentum on your side, you take advantage of it. That's something that we've always done in the military and it doesn't matter whether it's US military or the Roman military from 2000 years ago. Momentum is essential in battle. Two, and the two are kind of related in some ways, both momentum and morale. Morale is often linked to momentum. If you have the momentum and you are having victory, you can often have high morale within your, your troops and that's what you want. You want high morale. High morale will make soldiers feel invincible and you need that feeling of invincibility even if you don't really have it. You need to feel it. You need to feel invincible in order to be effective. One of my favorite shows to watch or one of my favorite movies, which I do not recommend, I'm, this is more of a confession than a recommendation, uh, is the movie 300. Uh, 300 is this a story that's been dramatized of the, the uh, Spartans who went and fought against the Persians. The Persians had the biggest army that had ever been assembled and they were kept out of Europe or walking through Europe by 300 men. And this wasn't 300 men that had bombs and rockets and anti-tank devices and, and M16s or AK-47s that were able to shoot and engage their enemy from a distance. These were, these were 300 men that had to kill every enemy in hand-to-hand -hand combat. They needed morale. They needed to believe that they were invincible. They needed to believe that dying in, dying in battle was, was an honor and that before they died, they were going to take you know, several people with them, maybe in some cases even several hundred. You need that morale. Russia does not have that morale. They desperately, desperately need it. No matter who you look at, whether I watch the Russian news, when I watch the Russian news, I see them trying to make up for that lack of morale. And so that tells me a lot. Whether you believe that Russia's winning or losing doesn't matter. Does not matter. The morale is what matters. We saw this even when the United States was winning in the Vietnam War. We won almost every battle, but the morale was low. Troops didn't want to engage. So many troops didn't believe in the war. That is a problem. That's a big problem. That's when people walk away. That's when people don't take risks. That's when people don't throw themselves into the front line of the, of the fire. Uh, you don't want that as a leader for your troops. You want them to be highly motivated. And when you lose morale, you lose battle. Uh, there's so much of this that can be taken into the spiritual side as well. So you need momentum and you need morale. The third thing that you need whenever you talk about any battle whatsoever is you need the high ground. It, and again, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the year 2000 BC or the year 2022 AD. As on the battlefield, you need the high ground. This is why air superiority is so absolutely essential.
And the high ground in this way is not just, you know, taking the high mountainside or the, the, the place on, uh, above the battlefield where you can sit on a mountaintop or you can sit on a, on a hillside and, and watch one troop unit engage another troop unit or be able to see the battlefield in its, in its entirety. Um, I'm not talking about a high ground in that way. In this, I'm talking about the high ground of Kiev. When we look at Kiev as the capital city, this is where you have the seat of power, the seat of government. This is where you have your TV. This is where you have a lot of, if Russia wants to call what Ukraine is doing as propaganda, well, here's the headquarters for propaganda. That is the high ground. Uh, so when you look at the TV, when you look at the government seat, when you look at the, the largest airport of the nation, um, all of those things fall into the, the city of Kiev. And that city has not been taken. And, and right now it doesn't look like it's gonna be taken anytime soon. It could still be taken. Uh, I, I'm not saying, I'm not writing it off the table. Everything's possible in war. Everything is possible in war. But it does not look like right now that it's going to be taken anytime soon, which is a huge, huge victory for the Ukrainians. Even if they eventually lose it, they've already won that moral victory, which gives them the morale, and it also puts the momentum on their side. And we can see that momentum shifting to their side because now we are seeing that uh, Ukraine is no longer the defendant. In some cases, they have become the, the, the engager. They have started to launch their own attacks, even into Russian territory. That is all I need to see, that with their launching attacks into the enemy's territory, that is a change of the battlefield. So for our people that are listening, um, I just wanted to give that really quick kind of synopsis of where the Ukraine is, at least in my view, as an outside observer that is only watching from a distance, unlike what you are doing, Tim. I really appreciate your information because the information that you give, like I would have never known that Poland just issued that if you didn't share that, you know, hey, our nation has just issued a get ready pamphlet for everybody to be aware that there could be uh, some sort of engagement or invasion into Poland. Um, now let me shift a little bit if I could. I've, I've talked a little bit too much. I want to shift uh, into what you said. You said, you know, I know that there's nothing I can do about that. So I focus on the things I can do something about. And one of the things that you can do something about is su supporting the church of the Ukraine, supporting the Ukrainians, supporting the refugees. So that's something exactly. that you have been at the heart of the Back to Jerusalem efforts of helping with the situation in the Ukraine. Can you give us an update? What is B2J doing right now uh, for the refugees that are flowing out of the Ukraine? Um, there are two approaches, which are like uh, two, two major projects and a third and a fourth one coming in. But the two major projects which are which are working right now, one of them is uh, preparing food, a pre-packaged, high-quality uh, nutritious done by a professional uh, food company that kits that can be sent overnight to any place in Poland. So there's, there's, uh, there's one believer that has a like a big uh, manufacturing plant, like capable of capable of making, well, I think something like eighteen thousand uh, meals per day, and he decided to shift some of his production into preparing uh, low cost but still high quality meal packages um, for the refugees. So, so one of the things that we do is we are making make sure make, making sure if there's a center 
uh, somewhere that hosts Ukrainians for a couple of days or even weeks, then then he this this brother makes sure that they will get uh, tens or hundreds of of meals uh, for the time that it's needed. So that's the one approach, and and he's, and he's doing it quite well. He he was also making a, a lot of food for mostly sandwiches for for the. Um, uh, refugees going through the biggest railway stations. So that was the place to hop out, hop off from a train coming from somewhere near to the border and move to another train uh, to Berlin or uh, or a different Polish city or even further uh, west. And he was providing their sandwiches and and ho- and also and because of that and the momentum was was yeah, exactly the momentum. So he was able to even hire. I think in total of 17 uh, refugees just to help and make more food for other refugees. So that's one of the projects. And the other project, that's uh, that's Daniela and Gerd from the Lighthouse um, Foundation. And they're the guys that are fighting with human trafficking in, in, in Poland. And from basically from day one they were just you know uh, super alert because they knew that this kind of chaos can bring opportunity to human traffickers and they were right um well you said something you said something about uh, you know the big tech giants and basically the media controlling the kind of messages which are which are coming have you heard anything about the human trafficking increase during this, this crisis i haven't it's I, not in the media. It's not in the news. Of course, brother. And, I actually I didn't even think about that until you said so. I think that we are one of the few people actually talking about human trafficking from Ukraine right now. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and 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 about you know we, we shouldn't be like demonizing. Uh, I mean, what, what I'm saying um, <laughs> shouldn't be demonizing human are, trafficking. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be demonizing uh, human trafficking. Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> no, no, no. We, we shouldn't be demonizing people by yes. the origin. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, <laughs> we I, shouldn't be demonizing human trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> it is demonic. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you're absolutely right. You're, we shouldn't be de- demonizing entire populations of people. Absolutely. Yeah, right. yes. because you know the people that were, that were uh, trafficking from the Polish-Ukrainian border. Yeah, they're not Russians. Yeah, I, I, I'm not yep. sure about I'm not sure about no. their origin, but they're not this Russians. This is they're, they're Europeans. I'm, I'm I'm so glad that you brought this up. I know that you know. I want to hear more. I know that our audience wants to hear more about what B2J is doing with the human trafficking. I'm so glad that you talked about the meals that we are providing thousands of meals that are home cooked, hand packaged, uh, and we are working together with this this um, organization, Lighthouse Foundation, that is that we've been connected with them at least for the last year or so through you that are really focused on the human trafficking aspect. And this is so important though, because one of the things that we are seeing across the board is the demonization of an entire people group, which is Russia. This is happening in American media. This is happening in uh, 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 European media. This is something that's very easy to do. I mean, all of my favorite movies from the 80s, Russians are the bad guys. So it's very easy for us to demonize the Russians. Um, You're doing this this call from Poland. I'm sure the Polish people don't see the Russians, uh, you know, in that great a view. At least, you know, in, in some pockets. I know that there's some pockets that you know do. I I, I get that. So uh, I I don't want to paint Poland with a broad brush either. But um, right now, what we are seeing with 
with um, the Silicon Valley is the demonization of the Russian people. Um, I just saw today in the news that the U.S. administration, Biden, has now put out like, uh, how did they put it, on the daughters of Putin. Uh, it's headline uh -huh. of Drudge Report, which is one of the websites, news sources that I go to on a regular basis, which is kind of a collection. It says USA sanctions Putin's daughters. That's front page of of um, the Drudge Report, and it shows Putin with his wife and his dog and his two daughters, or two of two daughters. I don't know how many children he has, uh -huh. but it says that the U.S. has now sanctioned his daughters. And so there is very much, you know, uh, this feeling that we can now focus our ire and hate uh, on Russians, all Russians, and that's simply not true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this basically puts, especially the body of Christ, in the back position of uh, instead of being proactive, to be completely reactive to what the media is, is saying. This is not the role of the body of Christ. I mean, we we have a different source of information. We have a different rule book. We have a different guidelines, and and I can see that uh, it's very easy just you know just to even in the, as a believer just to put your put an Ukrainian flag on your Facebook account as a profile picture, and and share anti-Russian media. But I sure are you sure that's the that's the right thing that the Holy Spirit wants from you right now at this time. Oh, brother, how that's a you, that's a really you, good message. Really good message. Yeah, I mean, how are you fulfilling the the Great Commission, which tells us to reach all the nations? And what you, we're gonna never talk to Russia again and not send the Bibles to Russia, which uh, which I know that the persecution level in Russia is is growing, and uh, and the same kind of persecution will go down to Ukraine on the especially in the east. And we need we need to have strategies. We need to be proactive. We need to know uh, where to send the Bibles, how to send the Bibles, how they should look like, so they will not be taken over as a Ukrainian propaganda. I mean, these are the questions that the body of Christ needs to be asking themselves. What is my mission? And not, I mean, and not general of a church. What is my personal calling during this this time of of, of terror? I have. I have personally spoken to sisters and brothers that they shared with me that they are, that they heard almost audibly the Lord's voice telling them in the last couple of weeks, this is the time I have called you in all of your life. This is the right, this is the time I've called you for. Wow, that's and, powerful. When, when, we, when you talked about that, when you were like, you know, how many people, how many people listening to this podcast have done exactly what Tim just said? You've put a Ukrainian flag on your Facebook account, on your social media, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, and and stood in solidarity with the Ukrainians by by showing yourself as a Ukrainian. Now, I I don't I'm not against that. I think it's great. I think it's great. I I stand in solidarity with the Ukrainians, but as yeah, a Christian, as a Christian. And this is where I think that we often become dichotomized, where we, this is where we fall into a trap. We, we have this belief that you're either one side or the other. So I, I kind of, I don't like to be pushed into this. I really don't. Where if you stand on the side of the Ukrainians, all Russians are evil. End of story. And if you don't, and if you don't say all Russians are evil, well, then you must be on the side and supporting of Russia invading. And so there, there are people that are starting to drift into those camps. 
people that are into the Ukraine or nothing camp and the others that have gone into the America is all liars. And uh, one of the people that I was listening to this morning as I was as I was working out is um, and, and I only mention that because I want everybody to on this podcast to know that I was working out. Uh, so this morning as I was work as I was exercising. <laughs> so this morning as I was exercising very rigorously and hard, by the way, I want everybody to know I, I, I was really, really. <laughs> you know, putting in all kinds of effort and sweat. Um, but as I was as I was working out, I was listening to Alex Jones. I like listening to Alex Jones. Alex Jones, for those of you that don't know, he's probably the most banned news guy. And yes, I consider him news. Um, he's the, one of the most banned news guys on the internet and, and one of the most informative. He runs a news site called Infowars and they are, I love the feel of Infowars. However, there is so much stuff about Alex Jones that I don't agree with. Ukraine is one of them. He is hell-bent on the idea that American media are liars. And on this, Alex Jones and I agree. But he's also married to the idea that everything that's being said about Russia is propaganda coming from America, that Russia is actually not doing such a bad thing. Now, I have to say, as an independent thinker, I drift away from even those that I follow like Alex Jones. Because what we should do as believers is try to listen to what, what everything that is saying, being said, and then gravitate towards our biblical principles regardless of what we feel. This is so important. Um, I just did a business as mission training in Africa yesterday, I, or I just flew out of Africa yesterday, arriving back in Dubai. And when I was together with um, our friends, I gave them certain certain things that you need in business. And this is one of the things that I've added to business that I didn't share with you, Tim, when you were with us in Dubai at our last business as mission conference is principles. There are biblical principles that we need to adhere to that go beyond what we can see on the ground because our rational mind, our business mind, uh, will tell us to do something other than what our spiritual principles will tell us to adhere to. And we have to abide by those spiritual principles. And the spiritual principles of loving your neighbor, serving others, uh, uh, serving your enemy, loving your enemy is really, really difficult right now. Because if you see Russia, and we're not even being bombed by Russians as the Ukrainians are. We're not even being attacked. We're, we're getting upset through proxy. So uh -huh. one of the things that I was saying about, uh, about so uh, one of the, for instance, if we look at in, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. This idea of logos, that God is logos. We don't get that in any other religion in the world, but we get it in Christianity. The idea that God is logos and logos is God, the word. This word logos is where we is the root word for logic. It's where we get the word for logic. And this is so essential for us because we have a choice as Christians. We can accept the worldly logic, which will always lead us astray into damnation, or we can have heavenly logic. By being influenced with Christ in us, we have logos. And our logos inside of us changes our logic. And our logic becomes illogical for the world because the world operates on a different logic. And so when the world speaks to us as believers, their words should seem illogical. 
But on the same token, when we speak with the world, our words to the world should seem illogical. Does that make sense? So I, for business, this is so yeah. important because there are times where I'm telling people that, for instance, I, I shared with them you know, about the idea of protecting those that work with you, for you, and that you work for. You have an obligation to protect them because te- protection is, an, is the outsource that comes from love. When you love something, you will naturally want to protect it. If you don't want to protect it, then you must not love it. Um, and that 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 desire to protect, <clears throat> excuse me, that desire to protect will actually make you do things that are not logical. So, for instance, your duty is to protect those that work with you. So, if you get a very well financed client that comes into your business and treats your employees like crap, you have an obligation to protect those employees regardless of an account that you will lose, regardless of money that may be gone from the table if you offend somebody. Maybe you have a person that is low on the pay scale and you have somebody that is a very high performer for your business and they're somebody that you gravitate to, somebody that you admire, somebody that is productive, somebody that makes profits and if and they may actually be mean or treat somebody bad, that is, expendable, an individual that comes in and cleans toilets, somebody that comes in and empties the wastebasket, somebody that comes in and, and, and uh, maybe they're only summer help or something like that, totally expendable. And it would you can easily lose the expendable person from your business, but the person that is being mean is essential. Uh-huh. It, it goes against logic to correct the person that is essential to protect the person that is not essential. But that is our job when we walk with the principles of Christ. And with the principles of Christ, it makes us do things that are not logical, which is pray for the Russians, love the Russians, yeah. Uh, yeah. not see the Russians as being evil, not painting them with a broad stroke of, of, of the Russian. Right now, I see young boys who miss their mothers. I see soldiers who have been tricked into leaving their homes and going into the Ukraine to kill somebody that they don't know, fighting for a government that they don't understand or agree with for the most part. And many of them want to leave and are leaving. And some of them are dying in the dirt. My heart goes out to them. I pray for them. I pray for their families. Thanks for bringing that up. I Sorry for going on this diatribe. I wanted to, to just to kind of express that. When you touch that button of the Ukraine flag on social media, I think that hits us all, including myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to just to follow up on, on what the Lighthouse group is doing. I mean, the Daniela and, uh, and, and Gert, because I uh, just just a few, few more words. I mean, they've been they've been dealing the very important thing right now, uh, which is information. And when you have fog of war, when you have uncertainty, when you have all the strange things which are happening, and you'll end up in a new country, just running away from bombs, and you end up in a new country, you need to be aware that it's that it's not a safe place yet. I mean, we want to make it a super safe place for everybody, but there are people that are trying to benefit from um, from this crisis so that's why daniela is just going from border to from border point checkpoint to checkpoint making sure that there are posters and uh, leaflets informing like what kind of behaviors 
um, what kind of behaviors are dangerous, like what, what people shouldn't do, like if somebody just offers you money in a ride and you don't know where and what, just don't do that and just follow the procedures because there are some very strict procedures uh, involving the police and the, the uh, border guards. So, so and, and Daniela is, is doing and making sure that as many people as can be are properly informed on what to do and how to continue their journey to Poland or through Poland safely to their destination point. They're, they're also supporting one or two, um, like I would say these are refuge houses or, or refuge centers, Christian refuge centers that uh, that a bit changed their, their profile and right now they're housing uh, Ukrainian women. So. There, there are things happening and BDJ, BDJ is contributing to, to a lot of things right now, including moving a lot of uh, goods like food and, and first aid material and uh, basic commodities and blankets and stuff like that to Ukraine itself. You know, there, there are a few checkpoints that, that are being uh, helped, few churches which, which uh, inside Ukraine, which of course I will not mention the names and, and cities, uh, which which receive materials and then they distribute it to other cities. You, you said uh, before that some other people believe that Kiev, you know, is encircled and they're, they're, the Russians just, are just wait for them to die off. There are still people that move in massive amounts of goods and food and, and supplies to Kiev from the West and it's, you know, it's not encircled. So there's still, still, it's difficult, it's dangerous, but there's still access and, uh, and there's still resistance. I'm glad, so, that, I, I'm I glad that you brought that up because that is an important point that I did not point out um, that not only are they not encircled, but they're actually still receiving goods in Kiev in mass. Huh? Um, one of the things that Sweden has done that I feel is really good, I don't know if you guys are doing this in Poland, I don't know, maybe there's not a need in Poland, but in Sweden right now, if you send a package to uh, Ukraine, it, it's free of charge. So any package that you send from Sweden to Ukraine is uh, the post office that will now carry it free of charge, which I think those kind of things are some of the best ways. Some, sometimes that's even better. If you can just remove government costs from certain things, and, and this is a government service, which is the, the, the postal service in Sweden. Um, this is a government service. If you can remove some government costs, sometimes that's better than giving money. Um, it, 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 yes, or, of course. And so I think that that's, that's really an important point that you brought up is that uh, Swedes are still sending packages to the Ukraine via Kiev. So if it was surrounded, those packages, it would not be possible for them to get there. But we have a lot of Ukrainians, not as many as Poland, but we have a lot, we have a sizable number of Ukrainians in Sweden. And uh, in Sweden, we are, uh, we are hearing information from these people from Ukraine that are in Sweden that are saying that this is the information they're getting from their relatives back home. And their relatives are able to receive the packages that are being sent from Sweden. So that's a, that's a really good point. Okay, so we're able to, Back to Jerusalem has been able to support the, the, the uh, making of thousands of meals that have been distributed to the Ukrainians. Uh, we've been able to work together with Daniela, who has kind of led up uh, some of the Back to Jerusalem efforts, including handing out chocolate, which was a big deal for us to be a part of the chocolate drive to hand out you know, chocolate at the border. Um, it, with the efforts that uh, we have talked about so far, have any of those efforts gone into the Ukraine or have they all been in Poland? Uh, 
that's uh, Daniel and Gerd. They're they're moving a lot of their their efforts inside Ukraine. So back to Jerusalem efforts have been inside Ukraine as well. Yes. Would that be safe to say? Yes, definitely. Okay, so the Back to Jerusalem has been working inside of the Ukraine. I wanted to make sure that I understood that correctly before I repeated it. Um, that that I want to say thank you to all of our listeners that have been supporting the Back to Jerusalem efforts in the Ukraine and uh, for the Ukrainian refugees that have flowed outside of the Ukraine. I want to say a big fat thank you. Thank you for standing in solidarity with us. Thank you for helping these people. 100% of everything that we have received for the Ukraine has gone to the Ukraine. And the way that you are able to donate right now is to go to backtojerusalem.com. On backtojerusalem.com, you can hit the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of the website. There, you will find a button where you can look at all projects. If you look at all projects, we have humanitarian efforts. The humanitarian efforts, everything that we receive for humanitarian efforts right now for the Ukraine, 100% goes to the Ukraine. So we've already provided thousands of meals. We've already been providing um, chocolate and and several resources through uh, Daniela, who we did a podcast with. You can go back through our archives and listen to that podcast if you like. But we are not done. We're so far from being done. We're still sending more aid right now. Tim, you and I are working on something that I'm really excited about. I want to share it with our audience. You and I met just a a few days ago last week. We met uh, in Switzerland. Uh, You flew in just for a few hours and we met together with the, the head of our Swiss office. So it was me, you and Bruno. And we discussed what? We discussed an amazing project of, of making Ukrainian Bibles. Bibles that will be able, that will not be just, uh, you know, Bibles to be given away for free here in Poland, which is super important and super effective, but also Bibles that will be designed in a way that they can be moved be behind the enemy lines when needed, because there will be a time, and I don't know how much of Ukraine will be free, how much of Ukraine will be taken. I have no idea. I, 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 don't, I don't have this kind of information. But I know that there's, there, there will be parts that will require people brave enough to go there and preach the word of God and bring the, and, and bring the Bibles and want to provide those Bibles made in a such a way that can be that the, they can be easily smuggled in to, be, to their occupied regions. This is something that I am super excited about. Um, I was excited from the moment that you mentioned it. That's why I wanted you to come in. This is something that we have people that have been sponsoring Bibles right now. If you go to backtojerusalem.com and you go to our donate button and you donate towards Bibles or you donate towards humanitarian right now, both of those categories go to the efforts in the Ukraine to provide food, support, supplies for the refugees and those inside of the Ukraine as well, as well as printing Ukrainian Bibles. Now, we got a message on Instagram asking us, uh, is this the old translation that is in the old language? Uh, can you tell us anything about the Ukrainian translation? Well, we are still picking the best one, uh, but basically that's gonna be, a, there are a few which are modern than in the last couple of years. So that's basically New Testament, and, but we are still uh, picking the right one. But definitely that's gonna be the new, language 
the 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 refreshed. I don't know how to say that. Yeah. But, the, uh, or the, the, the modern new translation. translations done in yep. the last couple of years. The modern translation. So I don't remember your name, but lady, uh, whoever you were on Instagram or Back to Jerusalem uh, Facebook page that wrote to us, I was sent your message. I'm blocked from Facebook right now uh, for my Eugene Bach personal page. I am blocked from access for the Back to Jerusalem page uh, on Facebook. So Facebook has done it for my security. So it kind of sounds like the Russian invasion, right? It's done for peace and, and my my for my benefit. Um, so anybody that writes to us on uh, Facebook, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, I'm not able to respond to that. It did say Eugene. Um, so it was a comment that was directed towards me. So it was sent to us by the person that handles that account. And my answer to you is what Tim just said. This will be a modern translation, the most modern translation of the Ukrainian language that is possible. Um, Tim, I'm assuming, doesn't speak Ukrainian, but it, their languages are very close. So if anybody knows about yeah. translation, I mean, Tim runs a publishing house and he um, un understands about the language of the Ukrainians. So thank you, Tim, for, for sharing that. We're super excited to be partnered together with you. We're super excited to have this, this effort going on. I'm thankful that you came on and shared the updates and the news about what's taking place in Ukraine. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our our listeners before we before we break yeah yeah um, i mean there's a lot of people right now you know getting being focused on uh, prophecies of many many kinds of prophecies and i just want to remind everybody that there's a backbone uh, somebody told me that recently I, I loved it the backbone of all prophecies matthew 24 <clears throat> and if you're gonna go and, and look there uh, just go through it and, and, and remember that whatever is happening, we, should, we shouldn't be afraid. No, you didn't and just say that. I, uh, Tim, the fact that you brought that up, I was about ready to close this podcast. Now I have to extend it. I, can, <laughs> I cannot okay. believe you just said that. I just did an article this morning that will go up on the 15th of April called Five Times the Return of Jesus was Predicted and Were Wrong. <laughs> so, and I start off, I'm going to read from this article. Listen at this. What you just said, you and I talk nothing about this. You don't, I mean, you don't edit our website, so you don't know that I just wrote this article this morning before you and I came on together. This is what it says. <clears throat> For the last 2,000 years, every year, almost without fail, pastors, prophets, and tired old Christian men with nothing better to do in their spare time have been predicting the day that the end will come and Jesus will return. As is apparent from the sheer fact that you are reading this article, none of their predictions were correct. <laughs> Today, with the worldwide pandemic, the raging war in the Ukraine, ready access to a plethora of theories on the internet, and the ever-looming of threat of war in countless nations, Christians are full of more fodder than ever to predict the specific day of end time and the return of Jesus Christ. The return of Jesus has been predicted thousands of times and they have all turned out to be wrong. But why? Jesus did say that there would be an end and that he would return again. Of that, there is zero doubt. But what we can learn from false predictions that have happened throughout history is this. And here I give five examples. 
Now, because you opened this box, I'm going to read this. I'm going to go through these five examples just briefly because what you just said sounds like, okay, we have to trust. We have to trust in God. We have to trust in God. But what about the war? What about COVID? Have you seen the banks? Have you seen what they're doing? You know, all of these people, Christians are freaking out going into doomsday scenario. And there are people, there are prophets, there are ministers, there are Christians that have access to a camera and a computer and they are doing videos on prophecies about Jesus returning because of this and these being the signs of end times. And I'm not saying that these are not the signs of end times. What I'm saying is what you just said is that we as believers should not be afraid. So let me just touch on these really quick. Five, really quick. I'm actually, I need to do a podcast on this. I'm going to do a podcast on this. Tim and I are going to come back. We're going to break this down do a podcast on the five failed prophecies throughout history. The five failed prophecies throughout history. Tim, thank you so much for being with us, brother. I'm so glad to do this podcast with you about what is taking place in the Ukraine. For those of you that are listening to this podcast, continue to pray for the people of the Ukraine. Continue to pray for the people in Poland and and those in Romania and those that are serving on the borders of the Ukraine and, and helping those refugees. And pray for the Russian government. Pray for Putin. Pray for the Russian military. That God would open their eyes, open their hearts, and flood in to them and, 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 and begin to do a new work in their lives. If you want to donate towards Ukraine, you can do that by going on to backtojerusalem.com clicking on the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our website. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Dubai. God bless you.